Ahoy, Buck fans! Are ye looking for a different kind of podcast that centers on the yellow-bellied opponents? Well, you've come to the right place. Get ready for an enjoyable, in-depth look back at the important moments, historical facts, and games for the Buccaneers against this week's opposition. It's the No Quarter Given podcast on the BuckPower.com podcast network. Now, let's get started with your co-hosts, Jason Powers and Peter Blake. All right, Buck fans, welcome to a finally week six winning edition of the No Quarter Given podcast. Woohoo! I'm your host, Jason. We're with Peter Blake. Yes. Mr. Blake, finally get off the two-game losing streak snide, sir. Yeah, it seemed like forever there. We were, in, we were not in the winning column, but now uh, a little bit too close for comfort, but still a win is a win over the Atlanta Falcons. So it feels good, my friend. There you go. Our No Quarter Given podcast brought to you by Beefo Brady's here in the Tampa Bay area at the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue, as well as Hank's Barbecue and Home Slice Pizza Company. So appreciate the sponsors jumping on board and helping us out. But again, let's talk about our 21-15 victory over the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to talk. We're going to have Paul Paul Stewart's montage of the Pittsburgh Steelers coming up. We're also going to preview the uh, Pittsburgh game here on Sunday afternoon up in up. It's not no longer Heinz Field. I don't even know what the name of the field is anymore. But it's up in Pittsburgh. Go go to BuckPower.com to get that information. <laughs> and before we review the game, we got to give all our Buck fans a little shout out to our, to our man Paul Stewart. Paul's been in, uh, traveled over from England for the for the Atlanta game. He's been in the United. He's been over here for about a week or so. We were fortunate enough to have dinner with him on Tuesday night following the Falcons game. Had a great sit down over at Bahama Breeze over in the uh, Rocky Point area. For all you Buck fans that are in the Tampa Bay area, right over there on the causeway, a great little dinner. Me, you, Peter Blake, Paul Stewart, and TJ Reeves told a lot of stories. Some some can be repeated, and many others can't. That's it. But uh, we had a great night of dinner and a little and a little uh, entertainment. And it's called uh, a Crusher Stadium, I believe. A Crusher, A C R I S U R E, a Crusher Stadium. All right. I'm going to call it Heinz Field until I get corrected. Otherwise, (laughs) 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 and first and foremost, got to thank, got to thank Paul. He he hooked us up with some shirts, some Buck Power shirts. I'm wearing the t shirt version on the video here, and Peter's wearing the golf shirt version that we both got. Yes, the Um, polo, the creamsicle. Yeah, it looks great. Thank you. He gave us some merchandise, some uh, some uh, stuff that we're going to give out at our next remote at Beats. We're going to be doing a remote on the Thursday night game for the Ravens here later this month. We're going to be over at Beefs on Bush and Himes for the for the pregame on, on that Thursday night. So put it on your calendar to come on out and check us out. We're going to be doing about an hour and a half pregame show. Probably even do a little, might even do a little halftime, a little halftime show as well. Maybe not a post game, but for sure a pregame and a halftime. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, uh, who knows? Yeah. Maybe I'll stay out there for post game unless they want to close. You know, Maybe. I don't think they'll close. They'll be open for the for the for the Thursday night or so. Uh, but right. again, we'll be out there Thursday the twenty. I think it's the twenty seventh of October for the Ravens when they come a call in here to Raymond James Stadium. All right, Peter Blake, give me your just give me some general impressions from the twenty one fifteen victory over the Falcons. 
Well, like I said, a little bit too close for comfort. Uh, the Bucks, the majority of the game, I thought, dominated uh, offensively and especially defensively, getting after Marcus Mariota, five sacks, stopping the run, and then all of a sudden, you know, just to comment what you know what Devin White was saying or echo those comments, uh, they kind of got bored and they let the uh, foot off the pedal. They let the Falcons get back into the game, and it was again a, a little bit too close, and then. Of course, it came down to some controversial calls with Grady, uh, Grady Garrett. Jim, yeah, putting uh, Tom Brady down, controversy there, giving the Falcons new life. But what people kind of missed was the, the play before when it was pass interference and the ref was completely blind to it, which would also be a first down and right. give the Bucks the ball at the 10-yard line. So a lot of people making uh, too much about it at the end of the day with the a legal hit or 15 yards. The Bucks clearly dominated this game. It shouldn't have been that close, honestly. No, you're yeah, you're right. It was a methodical beating. I mean, they they were in definitely in control for three quarters of that game. Again, okay. the fourth quarter. That's a that's a good word. Devin used. They did look a little bored on the last two drives. Again, you you don't want that, but but you know they were without Cordell Patterson. They were without Kyle Pitts. And like I said, through three quarters, the Bucks pretty much shut down. The, you know, it'd have been nice if it would have been 24 to 27 to nothing. Not and not 21 the way it ended up. But but again, Brady played well. They threw the ball 52 times. He, he threw the ball for 351. A ton of checkdowns. The, the, the running backs, him, uh, White and Leonard Fournette probably had 14 or 15 catches between. I mean, they were playing a deep zone. They weren't going to let us beat them over the top. And, and, and to, to Brady's credit, he got Kate Otten involved, five or six catches out of Otten, a bunch of catches out of the running backs. And, you know, a few catches, intermediate routes to Evans and Godwin. Yeah, Evans definitely showed up, made some big catches. Talk about Leonard Fournette, 10 catches for 83 yards. I mean, that was kind of their running game at the end right. of the day. Still took some hits, but the offensive line did a good job of, of you know, not having any sacks, not giving up any sacks even to yep. – uh, yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day – uh, you, you have to be you know, pretty satisfied besides the, the fourth quarter there where they let the Falcons into the game. And I almost felt like even when it was 13 to nothing at halftime, the Bucks left points out there on the board because they get shut down on fourth down. And that's a thing that's become, uh, you know, kind of, uh, kind of worrisome, if you will, when they get down in the red zone or fourth down or third down, that offensive line, needs to be more dominant if you will push the push the other guys around we haven't seen that consistently enough so i still feel like they could have scored more it felt like they should have been up 20 to nothing or 27 to nothing yep. and they weren't and they let the falcons hang out and, and hang into the game into the fourth quarter when the falcons came storming back give credit to where credit is due uh and, and this is where you really see the the, the absence of ryan jensen and ali marpet in the power running game the third and fourth and shorts Again, Gedeke and Haynes are doing a pretty good job in pass protection, but in the in the in the known running downs, third and fourth and short, when you've got to get a yard or two, Jensen and Marpet missing on that left side, obviously combining with with Donovan and Wirfs and and uh, Shaq Mason. This is where you really see, you know, the young the youngster. The, and again, Haynesy's not the biggest guy in the world at center. So again, Jensen was always a nasty run blocker. Same with Ali Marpet. So this is kind of where you're seeing a little bit of that showing up in these short yardage situations. And then on top of it, not having Gronkowski. We talked about it. Not only as a pass catching threat, it was nice to see Cade Otten 
basically have a breakout game, but not having that inline blocking on the yeah. line, which helps out not only your run game, but also your pass protection. You're missing that. And Julio Jones, uh, once again, uh, let's talk. Who, let's talk Julio. Yeah. You know, man on the carton. Inactive again, mm-hmm. you know, from all indications from Todd Bowles post game and on Monday in the Monday press conference, they're going to take the long view here. It's, it, I don't think you're going to see Julio for a couple more weeks minimum. I think they're going to, if they can get five or six games out of Julio, second half of the season, great. You know, we talked about it last week. You and I, I think from the waist down, he, he's pretty he's pretty close to being done. You know, he wants to do it. He's trying. It's not that he doesn't want to play. I just think physically his knees, you know, I think his knees for the wear and tear of playing 10, 12, 13 years, whatever it is, is catching up to him and his knee just can't. His one knee just can't, you know, he just doesn't have the explosion that he once did. No, you're exactly right. And that's why I think if Julio Jones is ineffective, largely ineffective, which he has been during this year, they're going to entertain uh, signing an OBJ. I mean, it makes sense to me because you don't want to get into a situation where you're losing wide receivers and you're also depending on the likes of, I love Russell Gage, but Russell Gage is a third wide receiver. He's not a one or a two. So one of those one or two goes down like a Mike Evans or Chris Godwin, you don't want to depend on him. You don't want to depend on a Scotty Miller right. or Jalen Darden. So to me, OBJ makes lots of sense. And like you said, we keep on going back to it. When does uh, Gronk on line two happen? Because <laughs> it needs to happen pretty soon. I love Kate Otten, but at the end of the day, Gronkowski makes this team that much better. In fact, so much better if you have him back. Just add both of those pieces to this offense and I think you're cooking. Yeah, it's been interesting that it's been very quiet on the Rob Gronkowski front the last month or so. You've not heard much, whether it's him or his agent. Again, who knows? We don't know. Does he have any interest in playing? Is he in any kind of physical shape? We don't know. But again, I think I think you'll know something one way or the other by Halloween. I think by the end of October, you'll know he'll either make an announcement, say I'm going to play or not play, or the Bucks will sign him and, and give him another couple of weeks to get. Again, it may not be middle till middle of November that you see him if they do sign him. But I think by Halloween, you'll hear something one way or the other uh, regard to Gronkowski. And right now, his favorite Halloween costume is a ghost because, uh, like you said, he's been uh, yeah. not, not around. And the story hasn't been there. The only thing you've heard is he watched the Packer game. And I feel like if he watched that Packer game, he was like, come on. I mean, we've got more than 12 points in this right. offense. So this offense is not necessarily been the best and I get it. It's going to be different because of the offensive line changes and because of the injuries to that wide receiving room. But you got to think, you know, when is that offense going to be fully dominant for the whole game? When is that defense going to be fully dominant for the whole game? And I almost feel like the Bucks, uh, their best games are in front of them. You know, everybody's going to have to come together. You go back to that game. Probably a, another thing that was kind of worrisome as I use that word again was the three corners that went out. You had Sean Murphy Bunting right. out with an injury, Carlton Davis, Mike Edwards. We talked about this uh, in the offseason and, and how you know it was disappointing last year where you didn't have all your defensive starters, especially in that back end. So what's the impact coming in with the Pittsburgh Steelers and how many of those injuries start to linger on? You hope not many. Yeah, and Logan Ryan's still out and a key contributor back there, flexible guy in the secondary, Akeem Hicks. Hopefully he's getting close to being ready here in the next probably couple of weeks, maybe by the Baltimore game, hopefully. Uh, again, you got two more winnable games here at Pittsburgh, at Carolina, the turmoil in Carolina with Matt Rule getting fired. So they're a dumpster fire. P.J. Walker is going to be the quarterback. 
for the foreseeable future with Baker Mayfield hurt. So wow. there's some opportunity to get healthy in the schedule here these next two weeks for sure. You're facing a rookie quarterback in Pitts and Pickett in Pittsburgh, which we'll get to the Pittsburgh preview in a little bit. But again, if the Bucks can just gradually get a little healthier offensively, again, get a little more rhythm on offense and, and again get that running game totaled up. Because again, not that Brady can't do it, but you don't necessarily want Brady throwing it 52 times. No, um, you don't. No, you're so. exactly right. You don't. You want to be more balanced on offense, and that comes down to your line. And, again, your line hasn't done a consistent enough job to open up those holes, especially on those short situations. When they're manageable downs, you know, third and one, 32, third and three, you expect to get that first down, especially if you're running the ball. And if you're not getting it and you're getting stuck on fourth down, that's going to come back to haunt you, and it nearly did against Atlanta. All right, so Peter Blake, tell me about uh, – all right, so before we get to Paul Stewart here, we're going to get to Paul in just a minute with his Pittsburgh Steelers montage. Um, just give me a thought through five games. Co- anything, anywhere you want to go as far as coaching staff, scheme, What? give me a thought or two that, that's, that you like and maybe you don't like through five weeks. I'm disappointed that you don't have more points on the board. I'm disappointed that when you get into the red zone, it's stalled out. Is that injuries? Is that all the new faces? But I feel like I'm an eternal optimist. You have to be in order to be a Bucks fan, right? That it'll eventually get better. Everybody will uh, come together. And of course, uh, you'll get healthy. And if you do that, I think this team is going to be you know, a team to be reckoned with. All right, well, we're going to be back in just a few minutes. Paul Stewart's going to give you a great montage of his audio uh, audio and video history of the Buccaneers and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Not a lot of matchups over the years. We, we don't, we've really not played the Steelers a ton in the last, you know, since 1976. So, it, it, But Paul will give you all the details, all the great moments in that series. And again, back from the glory days of the 80s and the 90s uh, and all that. So you will enjoy that. Paul Stewart heading back to England on Thursday. So if you've already, you're listening to this later in the week, Paul's on his jet back to England. But again, Paul had a great visit here. I know he got to see a lot of people. He, I saw him posing with the, uh, the Lombardi trophies at one, at one bunk place. He was at the tail at one of the big tailgate parties on Sunday. You know, he, so he was very involved in all things Buccaneers. He had a little beach time. He told me he went to the beach a few days. He went to a high school football game over here, over in Clearwater. So we're, we're very happy. Paul had a great visit. And again, uh, Paul does great work with buckpower.com, all your Buccaneer history, go to buckpower.com and we will be back in just a few minutes after the Paul Stewart Pittsburgh Steelers montage. Enjoy. Now this is not a series that has seen a lot of Buccaneers success. In fact, there have only been two Tampa Bay successes against Pittsburgh in 1998 and 2014, but there have been a lot of memorable moments on the way. Now, a little trivia question for you. The Bucs have only beaten the Texans and the Ravens once, but which is the only other NFL team the Bucs have beaten twice that was still in existence when they started playing in 1976? We'll have the answer to that one at the end of this feature. 1976 was the scene of one of the biggest mismatches in NFL history. This wasn't David against Goliath. This was Barney taking on the masters of the universe. The expansion winless Buccaneers against the defending Super Bowl champions with the steel curtain defence at the height of its powers. The spread was 26 points and Jimmy DeGree was still putting his house on Pittsburgh. Coach John McKay started former Steeler Terry Hanratty quarterback and his first half stats were one of four for minus one yard. It was 42-0 and the Bucs played superbly to get the zero. 
They were outgained 385 yards to 105, and they went over 45 minutes of play without an offensive first down. The Steelers did not even put Terry Bradshaw in until the second half, and it could easily have been a record NFL score if coach Chuck Noll had so wished. Now, Steve Spurrier did get to play the second half as a merciful replacement for Anratti, but the Bucks fell to 0-13 in their first season. 1980 saw the Super Bowl that never was, because if the Buccaneers had beaten the Rams in the 79 championship game, they would have played the Pittsburgh Steelers, who of course were going for their fourth Vince Lombardi trophy. The two teams met at mid-season 1980, and Pittsburgh came out on top, although this was two heavyweight teams really going at it. It did feature, though, the first NFL touchdown for a great rookie wide receiver. Second down, seven. Williams will throw. Going for six. Pittsburgh's win in 1989 was in the final game of the season, and it was the coldest game ever played at Tampa Stadium. It was 39 degrees at kickoff. Even us Brits put on a jumper in that kind of weather. Now, the Pittsburgh won pretty easily, but Mark Carrier did have 101 yards and two touchdowns to cap his Pro Bowl season. In 1998, it wasn't cold in Tampa, it was just really wet. The field was sodden throughout, and the Bucks managed to hold Cordell Stewart to absolutely no real offence and had four interceptions, two of which from John Lynch. The Bucks won 16-3, and they left it to the A-train to provide most of the offence. Here comes All-Star. There goes All-Star. Touchdown! Now, because of a quirk in scheduling, the two teams played consecutive seasons. In 2001, the Bucks offensive line gave up 10 sacks of Brad Johnson to set a franchise record in a loss. And in 2002, the Bucks were on their way to the Super Bowl, but they played on Monday Night Football in December without the injured Brad, and Sean King and Rob Johnson were behind centre. Now, that was the game where Steelers cornerback Lee Flowers called the Bucks paper champions. And then, of course, after they won the Vince Lombardi Trophy, I believe it was Ron D. Barber who said, well, I just looked in the paper and it says we're champions in there now. Now, in 2006, the Bucks went to Three Rivers and they got beaten 20-3 to when John Gruden kicked a field goal on the final play of the game just to avoid a shutout. 2006 was a pretty, uh, pretty depressing season all round. But let's move on to the next time the Bucks went to Pittsburgh in 2014. It was another bad season. The Bucks finished 2-14 and 14 under Lovey Smith, but they did manage to beat the Steelers. It was right at the end of the game. They were knocking on the Steelers' door, and Mike Glennon, remember him? Mike Glennon found Vincent Jackson for the winning score. Did he get it? Touchdown, Vincent Jackson! With seven seconds to go! The last time the two teams met was in 2018, and it was Monday Night Football again in Tampa. Now, the Bucks had won their first two games behind Ryan Fitzpatrick, but Fitzmagic came to an end. The Bucks were 30-10 to 10 down at half-time when Tony Dungy was inducted into the Ring of Honour, and it was only a couple of late touchdowns from Ryan Fitzpatrick that gave the score some sense of respectability. Third and goal. 
Coming after Fitz. Pick it up as he lost it to the corner. Jump ball is brought down by Godwin. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Second and ten. He got him. Does he? Yes! Mike Evans waited for it. Hold it in. Now, the answer to our trivia question, which original team from 1976 have the Bucks only beaten twice? And it's a little bit of a trick question because it's the original Houston Oilers, now Tennessee Titans. The Bucks beat them in 2007 as the Titans, and they beat them in 1983 as the Oilers in a game that became known as the Reapers Bowl. We'll feature that one at a later date. Now, don't forget, you can catch up on all previous meetings with the Steelers, as well as everything else to do in the history of the Buccaneers at BuckPower.com. Every player, every game, everything Bucks. All right, Buck fans, we are back. Hope you enjoyed the montage with Paul Stewart. Some good Pittsburgh Steeler history. Give me a get. Were you? Were you? Um, me, you're probably a little young for this. Were you? Were you a fan of Bradshaw back in the glory days? You again? You were pretty young back then when when they were going through their glory days with the Steelers. But have you? Were you? I mean, did you have any any memories of a Pittsburgh Steeler Buccaneer matchup in growing yeah. up? Yes, I believe it was either Christmas Day or Christmas Eve. I'm driving home from Venice uh, to see my nanny, which, I, you know, like grandma, I guess, on, on my dad's side. And we're traveling. We're listening in the car. Of course, it's blacked out because there were no games back then. I believe this is 1989, 1990. This is why you got to go to buckpower.com. It was actually snowing down in Venice. That's how cold it was. And I believe Gene was saying at the time, you know, Pittsburgh, usually it would be at a disadvantage because they're wearing the black uniform. Well, they're actually warm because it was so cold out. So that was my memory. And I believe the Bucks lost that game too. Uh, they lost a lot of games back then. Another memory, I think it was a little bit earlier or a little bit uh, later, if you will, would have to be what? Mike Glennon's uh, first year with uh, throwing it to Mike Evans to win the game. Was it Evans or was it Vincent Jackson? I believe it was Mike Evans okay. in the game at the time. And the Bucks at that point were winless. I remember that game. But not a lot of great memories when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, uh, Bucks had a couple wins here and there. I always remember the one, the paper champions one, right? Uh, <laughs> with them coming out and saying the Bucks were paper champions. Yep. Steelers came in there and and beat the Bucks, And again, that's the reason why you got to go to buckpower.com to look up this stuff because Paul has it all covered. He's like an encyclopedia. It's crazy. He was rattling off stuff at dinner the other night. That was just yes. insane. Quarterbacks, second round draft picks from 1987. We were talking about who quarterbacked the Bucks during their, their, their a four game winning streak back in the early nineties. And he knew them all, man, with no reference, no, no looking nothing stuff up. He just, he popped it off. What I mean, just what an encyclopedia he is. He really is. Do you remember the Mike Lennon game? Do you remember that game? I, I vaguely. I remember though. I was, I don't know if this was eight or ten years ago, and it might have been the Mike Lennon game. I was actually at a home game before I relocated back to Tampa. I was in town, and I actually went to a, a, a the Pittsburgh Steelers home game. This might have been seven, eight years ago, whatever it's been. But uh, I don't, I cannot remember who the, this was it? on the road when they call it Heinz Field. Okay. I was, was here. I went to the game here in Ray J okay. in the last eight or seven, eight, nine years, whatever it was that they hosted. And I think, I mean, Roethlisberger was the quarterback yeah. and they had a good team that year. So 
I'm, again, I'm trying to. I, I, I don't remember. I who the Bucks got crushed. I think you're right. It was. Yeah. It was. And there were more. And there were way more Steeler fans in the building than there were Buck fans. So it must have been a lean year. Might have been. It might have been Dirk Cutter, Greg Schiano, mm. that that era that during that seven eight years ago type deal. But uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of terrible towels in Raymond James that Sunday. Yes. All right. Got an announcement to make for you, Peter Blake. Okay, what's up? Next week, no quarter given podcast. We will have another Buccaneer great is going to be joining us. You, and you know what part of the game I like, right? What's what's the part of the game I like? Kicking the kicking game, baby. <laughs> We're bringing back a buck a buck player who played during some of the lean years, and he was here during a couple of the really good years of Tony Dungy. One Michael Como Esta Husted. Very, very nice, Mr. Jason Powers. Yes, so we'll be definitely getting an opportunity to talk to him, getting his experiences on special teams. I know you're going to be soaking that all up because you love the <laughs> kicking game, don't you? And he had a really good buck career. He kicked for the Bucks for, I think, six, five or six years. Yep. And like I said, he was at the end of the, you know, Sam Weish, and then he was there for Tony Dungy's couple years. He was there for the, the resurgence when Dungy got us to the playoffs. So we're going to talk about him, how he made the team, because he was an undrafted guy. Nobody had ever heard of Michael Husted. I mean, he came in, won the job, had a really productive career with the Buccaneers, went on to kick for the Falcons and a couple other teams, but had a really good 10, 11-year career. He's out in California these days, so we're going to talk to Michael and just see, you know, reminisce about his Buck career and all that good stuff. So looking forward to that next week, No Quarter Given podcast. Nice. Very cool. Okay, let's get to Pittsburgh. Yes. One o'clock game in Pittsburgh. You know, you got Kenny Pickett starting for the Steelers. They got embarrassed last week up in Buffalo, which makes you a little nervous because when usually when a team gets embarrassed, you usually get a really good effort the next week out of them. And they got buried by the by Buffalo. Pickett, you know, the defense was pitiful. Pickett didn't play terrible, but the offense is just not very good. The offensive line is not very good. They've got some skill players. You got Deontay Johnson, Najee Harris. You got uh, Claypool. You got George Pickens. Just your thoughts of the Pittsburgh Steelers through five weeks. Well, I told you last week when we were at Beef Brady's and I gave you the 14 points. We got that bet, right? And I, I told forgot. you. I forgot. Well, I, I reminded you here, and I'm going to remind <laughs> you again, the reason why you win that game is because you have a rookie quarterback, and at the end of the day, this should be an absolute advantage for this Bucks defense. This defense should come out, blitz, get after him. I get it. They have skilled players, uh, and, and we'll see what they do in the back end there. Of course, you talk about Deontay Johnson, of course, Chase Claypool and, and Pickens, but they should come out and really dominate this team because to me right now, the Steelers have – the season's over with. When you start a rookie quarterback, basically your season's over with. And then furthermore, no T.J. Watt you have to worry about on defense. The Bucs should win this game easily, even with it being on the road. We shall see what happens. But, Jason Powers, you owe me some wings. <laughs> you are correct. I forgot about our little bet there. I did forget about that. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. And, and here's the game that we, I want to see the defensive line dominate. This Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line is not very good. They are not very good. They have been giving up continuous pressure, not generating much in the running game. This is a game you cannot let Najee Harris get going because if you can let him get going, now the play action becomes a factor. They got good receivers. We have some injuries on the back end, on the DB side. So, again, and again, offensively for me, get the lead. back Again, like they did last week against Atlanta. 
The defense for Pittsburgh is not is, – they're good. They're not great. They're okay. They're not great. Um, again, Minka Fitzpatrick is their kind of big play guy in the secondary. He's always around the ball. But, again, take care of the ball, establish a running game, get some, get some momentum in the passing game going. They're not great in, in pass coverage. And to me, you're right. I mean, I just think this is a game – Again, don't let Kenny Pickett have any life. Don't let him get any confidence, especially if you're a little nicked up in the in the secondary as you're the Buccaneers. And the advantage for the Steelers is, look, nobody's really seen a lot of Kenny Pickett, so maybe that is an advantage over the Bucs. And as we know, history shows the Bucs defense usually struggles versus a rookie quarterback, but they should not do that on Sunday versus this player. Very young player, Todd Bowles, I think will have something cooked up. And I tell you right now, offensively, if you're going to bracket coverage to Mike Evans, Chris Godwin yep. coming home from Penn State there. Maybe yep. he has a big game. You saw some of the flashes of brilliance versus the Atlanta Falcons. It seems like he's starting to get healthy, knock on wood. So I think Chris Godwin could have a big game because, you know, at the end of the day, a defense is always going to try to shut down or take away a Mike Evans. If you give Mike Evans one-on-one coverage, yeah. he's going to absolutely kill you. So if you bracket coverage to him, who will step up? We'll be Gage. We'll be Godwin. My money is on Godwin. And, and if you watched the Buffalo game last week against Pittsburgh, they gave up some huge plays. 98-yard touchdown, like a 70-yard touchdown to Gabe Davis. So there's some gaps in that secondary that you can do some with some with some play design to get those one-on-one matchups with Evans on those safeties and or Godwin, uh, you know, on those on those uh, weaker those weaker components of the Pittsburgh defense. And again, no JJ Watt. You do have Cam Hayward's a good player. You got to know where he's at. But again, the Buccaneers ought to be able to move the ball. Pittsburgh's defense is not as vaunted as they once were. And again, the only thing that makes me nervous is they got blown out so bad last week. You know you're going to get an inspired effort out of Pittsburgh in their own building. So um, give me a prediction, Peter Blake. Well, I like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win 31 to 10. This should be a, a cakewalk. It should be a blowout. I get it. Mike Tomlin's going to get the best out of his players. But at the end of the day, it's about talent. And the Steelers don't have as much talent as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This should be a win going away for Tom Brady and that offense. I'll go 34-17. I'm with you. I think the Bucs are clearly the better team here. Again, this is Brady. And Brady's had some success in Pittsburgh He with all his New England days. So he's not going to be – he's not going to be – uh, unfamiliar with with the Heinz Field atmosphere, the you know all that stuff. Again, kicking game wise, it's a tough place to kick. So you'll hopefully Camarda and Suckup can do their job with the swirling winds of Pittsburgh. Uh, and typically in that stadium is not not the easiest place to kick. So again, no stupid stuff in this in the in the kicking game. Uh, hold on to the ball. Make Pittsburgh if they're going to score, make them go 75, 80 yards. No no short fields with turnovers. And shut down the running game. Just make him one-dimensional. Put all the onus and pressure on that rookie quarterback. Make him throw off his back foot. Get pressure on him. Uh, mess up his timing. And who knows, maybe you have some turnovers in this game also. All right, Peter, tell me where they can find John Line. Yeah, it's the Evolution of Sports Talk Television Live on Monday and Wednesday nights at 9 o'clock on I Love St. Pete, the Hub, and Amped Up Sports. It's the Sports Web. I'm your host, Peter Blake. Giving you something to think about and seeing as we're under curfew, I don't want to wake up the neighbors. So bring your passion, <laughs> bring your excitement, and just for Paul Stewart, bring your watch. Yes, because you, <laughs> yeah, you had a little timing. You, you had a delay a game last night on you, Peter Blake, at dinner. Yeah, you would have well, been penalized. You yeah. would have been penalized for delay, delay of game. 
Yes. Well, I had to work a little bit late and uh, (laughs) it's tis the season uh, to work overtime sometimes. And then it slips your mind. You look at your watch and oh my gosh, I'm running late. So I had to uh, get into the Mustang, drive as fast as I could without getting caught by cops. And I got you made it. Yeah. And you look good in your, you look good in your, your, your orange polo. I like it. Buckpower.com baby. I'm proud to wear it. And like I said, go to buckpower.com for all your Buccaneer needs. And like I said, remember, Buck fans, Thursday of the Baltimore game, we will be at Beef O'Brays for a live pregame. So if you're not going to the game, stop by Beefs for all your Thursday night, Saturday, Sunday, Monday night football action. Major League Baseball playoffs are going on right now. NBA starts in about a week, and the Lightning get going. So sports every night of the week, damn near, and no better place to go watch your favorite team play and eat some good wings. And Peter can destroy some wings over there at Absolutely. Uh, and I'm going to destroy some wings when you pay up on that bet. And I tell you right now, Major League Baseball players are not going on locally here for your Tampa Bay Rays as they had a big old goose egg. Rays have been eliminated. Oh, oh. They have been eliminated. All right, Buck, all right, Buck fans, appreciate the time. Remember, on Twitter, check out my podcast, Powers on Sports Podcast. Florida Football Insiders, obviously the no quarter given. You can go to my YouTube channel with all these video interviews. You can see Peter and I and our BuckPower.com merchandise that we're wearing. Tell your friends about us. Subscribe, rate, and review. We're on all the podcast platforms. And we will see you next week for another edition of the No Quarter Given Podcast. Have a great week, Buck fans. Let's go. Join us again soon for another preview of a scallywag buccaneer foe when we come back with another No Quarter Given podcast. And make sure for the best in historical buck coverage, you go to buckpower.com. And as always, keep listening to the buckpower.com podcast network.